It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Eric Regan, founder and CEO of Focus Lab. Chances are, if you've spoken to Eric for any length of time, you've heard him talk about his family. His beautiful wife and kids are his world, and he's a huge proponent of being intentional with time and keeping work at work, which his wife thinks is pretty cool. You may also find Eric talking about spiritual disciplines well before business. His faith informs his work and leadership heavily, and his goal, first and foremost, is stewarding them in a God-honoring way. Eric's career has been an evolution from musician to developer to entrepreneur, and he has a variety of interests these days, but what ties them all together is a hunger to learn how and why things work. What was once, how does the chord progression work, turned into how does a dependable website get built, and eventually became what does it take to build and sustain a great company. He has the pleasure and privilege of leading a wonderful team in their offices in Savannah, Georgia. Eric Regan, welcome into the corner office. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's a- excellent. And uh, we've connected through one of my favorite organizations, C12. Let's start with kind of what's going on in the pandemic. I know you've got a family and obviously a, a growing business. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you're doing personally and how your organization is doing professionally through this. Sure. Yeah, it's certainly been an interesting year. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, personally, um, things are quite well. We've had a very uneventful uh Pandemic, pandemic, if you will, uh, and <laughs> that's you know that's kind of that's good the, to hear. the most that I could hope for, I suppose. Um, yeah. You know, we are in uh, Southeast Georgia, and um, we live most of our life in Savannah, Georgia, but we right. we actually reside outside of Savannah. So our, our home is in um, uh, a city that's a little bit south of, of Savannah, not too much. Uh, but our kids go to school in Savannah. My office is in Savannah. Uh, our churches in Savannah, so we we effectively live in Savannah. Uh, yeah. We just sleep somewhere else. Right. Um, right. But um, yeah, we we've had uh, an interesting um, just pattern of of what things look like both in the city itself and how it's yeah. operating and handling um, cases uh, through the past you know six ish months, uh, and then what our businesses in general doing, what our schools in general doing, right. and how does that kind of overlap with us. And um, so as a family, uh, we've been healthy. Nobody has mm. uh, gotten sick of anything. Really, Thank if anything, the biggest challenge, which is, I think, the same for a lot of other folks, has just been the the risk of um, being almost isolated. And so, right, you know, that's probably right. been more of our, our focus, uh, uh, just being attentive to that than 
um, thankfully, than having to navigate actually contracting COVID. Um, But everyone's healthy and we're doing well. Uh, And then on the professional front, um, similarly, we actually have had very little, uh, uh, very very small amounts of health concerns throughout all of this. Um, Nobody on our staff has contracted COVID. We've had some family members who have, um, but uh, nothing that's been um, just really devastating. So that's Mm. been very fortunate. Uh, we, we have had some team members whose spouses have had their jobs and their income impacted. Mm, um, so, imagine. you know, we've navigated some of that. Um, but, uh, but all in all, we, we've, we've been doing, doing all right. Um, our great. business was affected a little bit, but, yeah. you know, compared to what a lot of places were, the, the way a lot of places were hit, you know, we, we were not, we were not hit hard at all. Um, yeah. And we can, we can get specific on that if you'd like, but that's kind of the gist. Yeah, well, that's that sounds like it's a blessing. And, um, you know, is the area fairly uh, been hit hard broadly? Have you guys been kind of more on the average in terms of, you know, uh, breakouts and so forth? Or has the the community been, you know, following the guidelines and staying in line, so to speak? Um, You know, that's I don't know that I'm very well qualified to really gauge that. Right. (laughs) I I think that I've to, to to the degree that it impacts my business and my family, I have paid attention, but beyond that, I I don't really try to stay uh, as attuned to it as possible. You know, when the school year started up, I started to pay more attention once again. Yeah. Um, I know that were the kids homeschooling before or are they, no, uh, they, they attended a a small private Christian school in Savannah. And, you know, when it comes to, school systems having to make decisions, a small um, student body makes it a little bit, you, you have a little bit more, I would assume, flexibility, flexibility yeah. in yeah, how you right. how you address and, and adjust your your course. So our while our public school system opted to be fully virtual at the beginning of the fall here, mm. um, our private school was fully in person oh. with the exception of anyone who preferred not to be not yet, to. or, right. you know, maybe they had... Um, uh, pre-existing conditions or people in their household or families who were going to be more susceptible, more at risk. So they, they had options, but on the whole, they were really trying to encourage the in-person students or yeah. learning. And um, I got to so say- So much better for the kids, particularly the younger kids too. It's just so yeah. hard for them. I've heard so many horror stories about kids just crying and getting so frustrated and not being able to handle the online learning part of it. It's tough. Yeah, when we ended the last school year, it was definitely tougher on my first grader than it was on my sixth grader in terms of just being separated. Um, And that was also tough to juggle for my wife because I was still trying to work and she was trying to facilitate both of them in their very different age age (laughs) groups of of learning. And and social needs as well. Right, yeah. Well, let's talk about your early years. Where did you grow up and uh, what was your early family life like? Yeah, I grew up uh, in Savannah, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, so S- Savannah, lot. especially in the business community, that you know, the the one of the first questions you get asked if you meet someone at you know, say, a networking event is, "So where did you move from?" It, it's, <laughs> the assumption is usually that you're right, not from Savannah, right. and so I, I usually have the 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 fun response of, oh, "I'm actually from here." I'm from and here. Yeah. Usually, well, people you, go, well, you don't Whoa. have the southern accent either. That's so true. Yeah. Is that where mom and dad immigrants to the area, and you <laughs> not grew up really? With the um, no? You know, I, I think if you and I got to know each other uh, over uh, many conversations, I have a feeling that my southern accent would start to show would up, come back up. Okay, I, I think got it, it would. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think that. In large part, both of my parents were trained musicians and both mm. singers. 
And then I'm skipping a little bit ahead, but I also studied singing a little bit. And so I think that in part, those things, those trainings and just backgrounds just kind of worked out some of the accent, if you will. Um, But yeah, I grew up here in Savannah. Uh-huh. Tell us about and, mom and dad. So they were in the musical field, or they entertainers, yeah, yeah. or my, producers. Um, my or both? mom was a a chorus teacher at oh. uh, middle and high schools, and uh, my dad was initially also uh, teaching chorus, and um, then he had this interest in technology, and so in the eighties he decided to um, study. Uh, I, I want to say it was an online school as you might want to put online in air quotes, but it was a, you know, a a virtual school of sorts. Uh, And he got his master's degree in uh, technology field. I don't actually remember which, Mm -hmm. Um, but he was, he was really intrigued by this, this growing um, ecosystem on the technology front. And so he, he shifted before I even really have memories of what dad did. He shifted away from teaching music as a profession Mm. to, um, being in uh, an IT field. And so he kept teaching, in fact, uh, taught computer um, classes of different kinds and was at the school I attended when I was in middle school, uh, sixth grade. But that year, after that year, he went into kind of the the private sector of of, uh, IT work. And so I always had computers around me as a kid. I always Mm. had music around me as a kid. And that that actually was a very... Um, significant part of just my own journey to figure out what might I want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. single I, child, uh, brothers, sisters. I have an older sister, older and sister. she's uh, five years older. Also, okay. very much into music. Also, interested in teaching, uh, as All was right. I to some to some extent. And sure. and so there was just a lot of um, cool opportunity to learn from one another. Um, yeah. You know, both from parents and from siblings. Now we're uh, brothers in Christ. We've obviously met through C twelve, and and uh, looking forward actually to, to meeting you in person. Where you're yeah. going to be speaking at our current twenty one next May, which seems like an awful long way. But it so does seven months ago when COVID began. So right. you know, I'm sure that time's going to go by fast. Uh, were you brought up in a Christian home, and you know what what role did Christ play in your upbringing? Yeah, I started going to church with my mom and sister when I was probably in third fourth grade or yeah, at least eight, the church eight, that I yeah. that I attribute kind of my my uh, learning of what church is. Uh, sure. I think our family has been in church as long as I've been around, but um the church that we were going to at that time uh was a um uh very formative for me in my youth as a whole. Mm. And during one of the uh, camps that they did, or at least that they sent students to, uh, when I was getting ready for sixth grade, so I was around mm. 10 or 11, yeah. uh, that's where I finally heard a message or the culmination of messages that made me go, oh man, there's something to this. And I, this is what I, I want. Yeah. I, I, this, relationally, there's something I need to do. Um, and so that's, that's where I, I gave my life to Christ, was awesome. at, at that age, and yeah. um, was very involved in church uh, through that the next, you know, six, seven years or so of middle and high school, um, which also played a big role in my music uh, development yeah. because I was getting involved in leading worship and and um, things like that. Who were some of the other people that inspired you during those years? Mm. One of the men who inspired me the most, who I think I had learned from the most, was uh, involved in uh, Young Life here in Savannah, mm. if you're familiar with yeah. Young Life. Sure. Uh-huh. And he was also very involved in our youth ministry at this church. And his name's Rick. And Rick was one of these 
I don't know. He's just he's, he's a unique character. The felt I felt like he could communicate mm. something that was very simple and but wise to a younger audience. Yeah. Um. In, in a way that uh just didn't it wasn't it wasn't gonna just bounce off of our mind and and, right. and it was very sticky. Um. So Rick was a, a an early influence and in fact he was he's an entrepreneur himself. He's a business right. owner and he's the first one who I heard about C twelve from years later. Wow. In fact. Wow. Um. And um, you know at the time I I didn't really have any interest in the idea of entrepreneurship or business. Um. Right. So it took a little while for me to even connect some dots there with Rick and say, oh, wait, I can even ask Rick about these things. <laughs> um, but the, another That's person awesome. would be uh, the youth pastor at the time. His name was Dave. Uh, and man, Dave was someone who um, I think was determined to show the students in his youth group that there was a richness to a depth uh, of relationship with God mm. that was possible and worthwhile. Uh, and it would take work, um, but it would be um, well, something you couldn't relate to anything yeah. else. Yeah, awesome. Were you a good student in school? Not at all, <laughs> ironically. Um, yeah, I, I or, was... Or not interested, perhaps. At, so that's uh -huh. that's kind of where I'm, I was going to go. I, I, yeah, I would yeah. say I was a very good student if I was interested in the yeah, subject yeah, matter. You liked it, um, right. I, I, was not, I was not a great student in terms of doing what I was supposed to be doing assignment wise, but I was very curious, very intrigued. And if, if I latched on to a subject, um, I, I did quite well with it. Right. Right. You mentioned music obviously was a big part of growing up. And of course your parents had some influence on that. Was there a particular instrument or instruments that you, you know, engaged with and enjoyed more than others? Uh, yes. Uh, so I, I, I didn't mention this at the outset, but my grandmother was also uh, a oh. very talented musician and she taught piano. Is this mom's mom or, or dad's, dad's mom? mom? Okay. And um, she was in the area, uh, still lives here around here. And, and so I took piano lessons mm. at a pretty young age. Yeah. But similar to how I performed in school, I, I didn't really like to practice piano unless it was a piece of music that I was really excited to play and learn. Right. Um, right. So that did not make me a very great student of piano. <laughs> I, I, I could do okay, um, but I... I uh, fully own that I, I could have done much better if I'd chosen to. Um, but guitar is where I really got drawn yeah. in. And my yeah. dad has played guitar for years, mm. um, mostly classical. And uh, my sister started playing guitar. And when I saw her playing differently from how my dad had been playing, you know, mm. she was she was mostly learning kind of what I would consider the, the contemporary worship songs of that time. Right. I, I was really interested in that. And so I started to try and learn guitar and just became in love with it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had spent many hours, many, many hours playing guitar uh, through high school in particular. And singer as well? Has that kind of been part of, uh, you know, yeah. mom being involved in chorus? <laughs> Is that something that you did as well? And, yeah, you know, I, I loved your... I loved being in my mom's chorus. She's yeah. a phenomenal person uh, and, and choir director and uh, was beloved by hundreds and hundreds of students over her career. Um, and she just made it a, a wonderful experience and environment. And I think that I was a, I benefited from that. Um, and I, I did enjoy singing. I'm not a, I, I don't think I'm a great singer, um, but it, it was a natural part of what I ended up doing. And I even led worship as a, uh, at this church that I grew up at, I ended up leading worship in different capacities there. And then nice. later working at a few other churches as a worship leader. Um, yeah. so singing was part of it. Um, I don't have a particularly 
standout voice, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a good radio voice. <laughs> that's, that's <the laughs> sometimes that's that the matters. <laughs> now, you'd mentioned a lot of the entrepreneurial instincts or, mm. or, you know, opportunities came later. But were there things that you did younger that were entrepreneurial in any way? You know, there was uh, one that, that, yes, the answer is yes. But it's almost one of those stories where I, I don't, I don't, love sharing it because I'm a little embarrassed by it. <laughs> but the first time that I, in hindsight, ventured into an entrepreneurial venture was uh, I, I stole some playing cards and sold them to my classmates in fifth grade. <laughs> and uh, apparently that was just an opportunity. I saw the word, I wouldn't have called it at the time, but I saw a way to profit and make some money that I could spend. Right. Uh you know, don't try this at home. Um, <laughs> and so uh, that was that was the easiest thing to point at. But I think really where where it started for me was uh, probably just middle school years. I was nudged by probably my dad. I don't remember to go cut some grass for other people. Right. right. And it was something that that simple that started to show me that I can serve someone else in a way that they want something done. And then they can probably pay me for it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I actually had the chance to see my dad doing this to some extent uh, throughout my youth because he was working usually a full-time job plus contract type, freelance type work. Mm. And so I actually got to see him and see that to some extent uh, while I was growing up. And the first job that I got was, um, w at least with relation to the career path I eventually went down, was building a website for one of his uh, basically customers. Um, mm. It was a, an association he was a part of, and he volunteered some time, and they also paid him for some consulting, and they needed a website. And he said, well, my son's tinkering with websites. I bet he can do it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to know um, what was paid for what he was paid for this i just i just care what i got paid and it was sure. two hundred dollars and wow. i bought a cdrw for my computer so i could right. make mix cds for right. myself and sure. that was my first taste of what i would consider entrepreneurial stuff and that was just really exciting <laughs> That's great. Well, you went on to to found Focus Lab, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Sure. But um, did you go into design? Did you do a formal, you know, education or college? You know, mm -hmm. when you kind of knew that you had some of those uh, talents in that area, or yeah. it was it all kind of self taught? Yeah uh, the the website stuff was all self taught. You know, I, mm -hmm. I started tinkering with that when I was in middle school, and it was just kind of a fun hobby. And I, I fully, by the time I was 16, I was fully committed to this idea of a music, a music career of some kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in late high school, in fact, I would have told you I was going to be a rock star. That's pretty yeah. simple. That's going to be my life. I'm just going to, yeah. that'll be my career. I'll make my living being a rock star. No problem. Um, right. Getting a little closer to graduation, I started to recognize <laughs> both myself and through some wisdom from others uh, who are older than me to say, maybe that's not too likely. So... Right. Uh, I started to just consider my two interests of music and technology, and um, I, I, I did really enjoy teaching. So, uh, what I decided to do was go to my uh, to a local university and study music education, kind of like mom and dad. And at this point, my five year older than me sister is already a teacher, and so teaching felt good. 
Um, the the only hang up is I didn't like school, <laughs> which is really ironic. Right, right. Um, so I, I started school as a music education major. That's where I studied singing a little bit. Right. Um, but I I I only lasted three semesters and then I dropped yeah. out. Yeah. Right. And then did you go right away into uh, you know entrepreneurial events or did you work for someone else for a while? What what led you to focus that? Yeah, I was already doing freelance work on the side, right. building websites, mostly for my musician friends and sometimes for church uh, needs as well. Sure. And um, I dropped out of school mainly because I wanted to get married. Oh. And I didn't feel like I could really uh, earn the living I needed to pay pay some bills, essentially, um, with, with a full-time school plan. Right. Um, so I... Uh, started to work at Zales uh, uh -huh. Jewelers. Sure. So basically just found a retail job. Yeah. All the meanwhile, I still had this freelancing thing on the side and then eventually was like, you know, I think this could this could be a thing. Maybe yeah. this is the thing. Yeah. And through prayer, um really just felt God saying, this is something I have for you and and it's time to go ahead and pursue this. Um so in the meantime, I I did end up working at the church that I kind of grew up at but not in a music capacity. Mm. I actually was hired as their first web developer. And I worked there for about a year and a half, maybe it was close to two years. And that's the job that I quit to start Focus Lab. Yeah, cool. And that was about 10, 10 and a half years ago or so. That's right. And, and you know, what was your mission at that time? Did you have specific clients that you were planning to service? Uh, did you have a partner that you got started with? Tell us a little bit about those early days. Yeah, uh, so I had a partner. Um, we We have kind of this, what I consider a pretty funny starting uh, starting point or origin story, um, because in about 2007 we met, and you know the business didn't start till 2010. But in right. 2007, he and I met because I saw that he needed some help uh, with a project for one of his clients. I just saw something online that he had posted, and we met at a local Applebee's, mm. and we were talking about this one project. And just kind of at the end of this Applebee's meeting, he says, so, hey, what what do you think about just like partnering up and starting a business together? <laughs> and I, I was kind of taken aback and I was thinking, wow, you and I are very different. Yeah. That's, that, this is the first date, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're proposing right out of the gate. Um, Moving a little too so, fast for you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I was I was definitely like, I don't I don't really know about that. Um, at this point, I hadn't even considered making this my full-time right. income. Right. Sure. Um, but, you know, we, we spent a few years working together on, uh, we, I, I basically consider it, we co-freelanced. Right. And sure. um, it went well. Found projects we had, together that you'd work on, split the revenues yeah. and fees, you know, bring, uh, bring him in on projects, and then he'd bring you on projects. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much like that. Yeah. And and so we had this thing go and it was going pretty well. And we decided, yeah, let's make this a legit business and let's yeah. try to keep food on our table with just this revenue. Awesome. And, and so er, early on, it wasn't so much about the particular types of clients. We were just trying to do good work and keep some revenue yeah. coming. And how many people today in the organization and, you know, what's kind of your span of, uh, of business operations? Yeah, today we're about 20 people. Awesome. And um, we have uh, evolved over the years into what we now just consider uh, a branding agency. Right. So we, we help new companies, uh, and also existing companies better communicate with their audience. And that's both from a verbal and from a visual perspective. Yeah. And um, we've uh, we've got um, a, basically a virtual team, uh, just about. Right. And we've got, um, I want to say, eight 
eight different states, eight or nine different states that we're kind of spread out across. Uh, and at this point, focus primarily on serving business to business companies, most of whom have a kind of a technology um, bent of some kind, whether, you know, they have a big application that's, that's most of what they provide their customers yeah. or, you know, somehow technology is core uh, to what they offer. And has it been at uh, Focus Lab? The, it's been the first time you started managing people? Yes. Yes, it how, is. How did that go? How is it going? <laughs> no, well, <laughs> it's, how did it, how, well, it's ongoing, I'm sure. But, yeah. you know, was it a challenge yeah. in the early days? Uh, oh, hiring yeah. people in to work on your baby? Yeah, um, it, it has definitely been an interesting journey. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I I typically tell people that I started by building websites and then eventually um, kind of made my way into building uh, teams. And yeah, I, I think right. that's that's really where my passion is at this point excuse me, at this point, I just really love that aspect of what I do um, far more than I anticipated, just being able to um, focus on the inside of the cup of right. Focus Lab, if you will, right. And, right. and the team. Um, and it's, <laughs> I've made so many mistakes to learn from. It's been, I mean, that's the, that is the journey. That is the journey. Um, that's the entrepreneur's journey. Huh? That's right. And I'm still on it, but, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting one for sure. How have you brought Christ into the business? Is your, is your co-founder also a believer? And is that kind of part, you consider yourself a faith-based business? I know we're both in C12, but right. you know, uh, you know, how does that all fit into the picture? Yeah, so my co-founding partner uh, is not a believer, mm-hmm. and um, in the past we've talked about faith a few different times. And um, you know, going off of those conversations, he would say he believes in God, uh, but he doesn't have too many specific beliefs beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have another partner as well uh, who joined us a few years, uh, under, well, about five years later, um, maybe. Well, no, about about eight years later. Um, but we have uh, we have we do not consider ourselves a faith based organization. Right. Um, we are a, a brand agency with a Jesus loving CEO. Yeah. Cool. And um, so we don't have you know at C twelve we talk a lot about uh, measuring different things and having specific strategies. One of which tends to be around ministry. Right. And so that's actually one of the areas where uh, I don't have explicit focus lab geared ministry intentions or designs. Um, But I, as Eric, um, I do, you know, I, I I pray for my team um, by name regularly. And I, I I know who the other believers are on the team. And, you know, we occasionally will support each other in ways that go a little bit beyond what typically inside of the focus lab work hours, you, you know, you might expect or experience. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back at those early years, you know, you're, you're 10 plus years beyond that. What were some of the, you know, early lessons you've learned, early management experiences that you've said that, you know, you've applied to how you operate today? Hmm. I think one of the biggest ones is that, and I still have to remind myself of this sometimes, uh, is that it is perfectly acceptable for me to not know something. Mm, yeah. And early on, Particularly given my age, because I started Focus Lab, you know, I was twenty-five ish. You're young, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like I was um, supposed to know far more than I did, and I think I also had a, a a tendency to to want to overcompensate for the idea of like, well, I'm a, I'm also a college dropout, so what do I know? Um, right, right. So I I think that early on it was it was tough for me to really. Um, understand and accept that I don't, I don't know some things, uh, quite a few things, in fact, and that's all right. Yeah. 
you know, I've heard it often said that it can be somewhat uncomfortable having your answers questioned, right? Rather mm. than your questions answered. Have you been in that situation? If so, how, how do you handle that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I, I've experienced that in the past seven days. Um, <laughs> be, because we have a, we try to promote a very collaborative environment. And that's to say that even if if I'm working with someone who is in a traditional sense on the opposite end of an org chart of me, right. you know, me being perhaps at the top and someone else being at the bottom, we try to promote an environment where we can, we collaborate together on certain things and that I want things questioned as right. a leader. Sure. And it's easy to say that I want things questioned, <laughs> uh, but when things get questioned, it, it's sometimes still very interesting to to just reflect in the moment and go, oh, wow, that did not feel good. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But right. it's it is so valuable. And honestly, I, I think it, in large part, the way it feels in the moment, the way that my body physiologically, ex- you know, experiences that that pushback or that questioning of an answer um, is related to how 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 connected to Christ am I right now in this moment? Yeah. How how centered in Him am I? Mm. Uh, am I trying to do and operate out of self, or or do I actually have Him in mind as I'm doing what I'm doing right. in this moment? And I think that um, my instincts and my 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 immediate reactions can tell me a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where humility comes into, isn't it? Or, mm-hmm. Right. You've got the opportunity to say, you know, that's a darn good question. <laughs> right. I don't think I know the answer to that. What are your thoughts? Right. There's always good ways to kind of turn that around. And, you yeah. know, I think that's uh, one of the things I've seen, particularly with a lot of our other CEO guests, is that, you know, it just promotes that opportunity for others to speak up and, and to, you know, have their voice heard. And, you know, you never know where good ideas come from. It, it can mm-hmm. certainly come from that frontline person. Right. And, and are most of the folks that that work for you are they from a marketing background you know do you do you actually look for folks that have had previous branding experience you know what what is kind of the if you were to describe you know kind of the the rank and file of the, of the 20 plus people that work with you yeah it's about half of our team is falls under what we would consider our delivery team and those okay. are the folks who you know produce the work um, mm-hmm. that we provide to our customers and uh, the other half maybe a little bit less than that is um, in some way supporting those efforts, whether it's, you know, from an HR or an admin perspective or like a project management or even a sales or marketing perspective. So uh, I would say that about half, maybe a little bit more than half of our team has had some experience, direct experience in the branding and and kind of communications or marketing space. And um, the other half, has somehow known of it or been exposed to it right. or a part of it, but not explicitly. And they know how to support it, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that's right. That's the bottom line. Uh, building a company culture, particularly with a you know a, an emerging company, you know you, you're ten plus years. You obviously made a certain success level, but you know there's always you know that next year making that next uh, you know payroll. Sometimes certainly mm-hmm. achieving that next goal. What are your thoughts on building a company culture, Eric? What does that look like, and in, in, in what you do day to day? Yeah, I I think that uh, the culture is it's one of those topics, one of those words that that is often just very nebulous. It doesn't mm-hmm. have uh, a lot of uh, sharp edges into its definition. Um, but you know, when, when I think about it, I I just try to think about what is it like to work here, mm-hmm. um, and then what is it like to be on the other side of this. Um, so that's you know 
thinks about my teammates, my team members, but then also thinks about the customers and, and their experience of the culture of Focus right. Lab. Um, and then also kind of our community, the, the people who are around us, who are other designers and strategists and uh, writers um, who who uh, we engage with from a community perspective. What How do they experience the culture of Focus Lab externally? And I think about this, and in, in, um, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, if I think about my business partners, Bill and Will, they <laughs> focus mostly on the external, yeah. on the outside of this cup, if you will, or on the outside of Focus Lab. And I spend most of my time on the inside. Mm, so yeah. they focus on the quality of our product, and they focus on what is it like to experience Focus Lab in the marketplace. Um, and I focus on what is it like to be here doing the work, yeah, working yeah. alongside one another. Uh, and so cool. um, f- from a culture perspective, you know, we think about it um, in a few different terms, but um, we want it to be a place that doesn't necessarily um, intentionally shape the people who join Focus Lab, but at least creates the environment where they can be well-shaped. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we've got core values that we think very strongly uh, enable that and empower people to do those things, um, to be kind of um, continue to be just better versions of themselves in some way or another while producing really exceptional results for our customers. Mm. And so that's an interesting balance sometimes to make, sure. um, especially in an agency space where traditionally, you know, the the metrics are how utilized is your time? Did you right. maximize every right. minute that you could right. to the right. output of, you know, the customer uh, and things like that? Yeah. Um, but I really like Craig Rochelle. I think I may be misattributing this, but I think it was Craig Rochelle who I first heard say that, you know, culture is the combination of what you promote and what you permit. Yes. And so we yes. think about that and we just try to continue to focus on what are the things that we're promoting what are the things that we're permitting? And does, does any of that need to to just grow and strengthen or change in some way? Yeah. What do you think is most unusual or perhaps unique about Focus uh, Labs culture, Eric? Hmm. Um, I, I think it's hard to say because I would need to re- I need to reference things that I I haven't experienced. Right. Um, one of the challenges for me I've I've learned is that I had very little experience in being employed before right. starting Focus Lab. Right. And so yeah. Yeah. Uh, as an example, it, it took me up until probably two years ago to realize that when people join Focus Lab, they're not just joining a place that has core values, that has its own you know, ethos. They're also c- coming with their own experience. And it's not always, it's, it's, it's seldom going to be the same as any one other person at the team, on the right. team. Sure. And, you know, that that could mean that acclimating to our culture is going to be different for each person. Um, but one of the things that I, I kind of assume is somewhat unique, maybe, um, we have a, a just a really healthy, exciting culture of just giving each other praise uh, and mm. props, giving each other kudos. Yeah. Uh, and we do that in a few different ways, but it's actually it's so important to us. We, we actually measure it, which might sound kind of strange. Um, but, you know, you measure what matters. So, That's right. Um, we 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 do that in a few different forms, but do you have um, like star ratings of em- employees, or do you star rate each other, or how, what does uh, that look like? Yeah, we one the the things that we do that are kind of to one another or for one another uh, come in a couple of forms. The the one that's basically every week, uh, we 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 create space and opportunity for people to verbally and within our context publicly 
um, high five each other in a meeting where nice. the whole team is present and we're small. Yeah. So it's easy to have yeah. the whole team present. Right. Um, but we also have something less frequent where we, uh, our teammates can nominate one another for what we call our patches. And they are, they span a lot of different topics, but as a quick example, we have one patch for each core value. Mm. And so this, that's six of our patches. So let's just say that um, somebody sees their teammate demonstrate our core value of empathy in action. And they see it happen in a client call or, or something like that. They can go in and submit a nomination for this empathy in action yeah. patch. And then every so often we have these patch ceremonies and we read aloud these nominations nice. and acknowledge one another. And those are just cross teammates. It's yeah. not just yeah. a leader to a direct report kind of thing. Um, mm. And that's just really, really a fun experience. You talked uh, earlier about, you know, working inside the cup, which is a really cool way of thinking about culture and developing the business. Are you involved in the hiring as well? Do you do the interviewing and so forth? Have you guys been adding staff? Yeah, I, I learned, um, I, I feel like somewhat early that I'm not a great interviewer. <laughs> so I, not I'm too not... many people are, let me tell you, from my side of the table. <laughs> Good to know. I, I, I do not do many interviews anymore. Right. Um, I have uh, someone on our people operations side or HR side um, who leads that up and she is uh, fantastic at it. But we also have other teammates who, who join us in that process. And um, I'll tell you, we've learned a lot from Patrick Lencioni Yep. Uh, on on this front, along Absolutely. with a few others, um, but you know we're continuing to to grow and improve that, and I can't claim any of the uh, credit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we've uh, just about run out of time, but we've got a couple of last questions. We we kind of started with COVID, so we'll end with it. You know what what changes do you see moving forward? It sounds like you've got pretty mm. much a remote team already, and I'm sure they're probably all remote now, or maybe will right. continue to be. But how is this impacting your industry? And you know what changes do you see lying ahead with uh, you know kind of this new normal that we're experiencing now? Yeah, I I'll add I'll, I'll lead with the disclaimer that I don't feel uh, like I'll pay enough global attention uh, or even regional attention to to answer this with a lot of uh, confidence. But I imagine that that we're going to continue to see people innovative innovate in how they can work from afar, right. and that's something that's kind of strange for me to say out loud because basically from almost day one of Focus Lab ten years ago, we've been doing that. Right. Um, so. I kind of feel like in a lot of ways, different industries are going to catch up to what's already been possible. Sure. Um, at the same time, I kind of anticipate a pretty strong swing uh, of the pendulum back towards in-person stuff, just because mm -hmm. we're all going to be so tired of sitting on the other side of a camera. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't really know where that pendulum will you know, settle, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I do think there are going to be quite a few innovative uh, changes to how we can work together from afar. Uh, and I've even just seen so many just outstanding teachers be the innovative leaders over the past six months to figure out how how do I do this thing that almost that that basically relied on being in person. How can I right. change this? And I have learned some things even just about Zoom, something I've been using for years. Sure. Um, I've learned things from teachers who have been put in the position of they they have to innovate or something, or it's just not gonna not gonna work. So right. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where my head is. Last question, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has their eyes on the corner office of their own or, or perhaps, you know, like you, wants to be an entrepreneur and, and follow their passion someday? 
Wow, that's yeah, that's that's a, a, a broad. Um, I, I love uh, targeting my advice to the person um, yeah. when possible, and so given the hypothetical person or the average person, um, I think that one of the things that has helped me more in more ways than I anticipated was just knowing myself better mm. and understanding what my motivations are, where they may have come from, and um, allowing that to better. Uh, clarify why I want to do something and then what that can look like now that I understand why I want to do it. Mm. Um, that, that, that is one thing that is, is not easy to accomplish. Uh, it, it, it itself is a journey, I would say. Um, but if, if I can, or I, maybe I'll shift the, the phrasing. If you can learn more about yourself, if you can understand yourself better and why you want to do the things you want to do, that will help you say no to the right things. It will help you be more, um, have more clarity about where you're going. Uh, and it'll also help you accept that maybe when the where you're going changes, as long as your why hasn't changed, it's all good. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Eric Regan, founder and CEO of Focus Lab, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you. It was great. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 